Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to The Freeman Report once again. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Friday the 15th of December 2023 and for today's show we'll be jetting off to Canada to look at what is going on in the country's judicial system and police force at the hands of the Trudeau regime, aka the black-faced bandit. Um, I'll be joined by two Canadian journalists, Jason Levine and Donald Best, who are doing some great work um, at the moment in the country. Now, while there are lots of politicians around the world that I despise for what they have done to their country, men and women over the past three years. I do have my favorites in this evil hall of fame. Jacinda Ardern is definitely one of them, as is Justin Trudeau. The reason these two leaders top my list of real life evil villains is because of their brazen evilness. As while other politicians have pushed similar agendas, these two actually tried to package up and gift wrap their evilness and sell it to their countrymen and, and women as virtues that make you a good person if you buy into them. As we heard yesterday from Gaylene Barnes, the director of River of Freedom, Jacinda Ardern made it acceptable for ordinary New Zealanders to punish the unvaccinated, attractive even. Yes, that is exactly what I'm doing, she said when a journalist said that it appeared that she was creating a two-tiered society. Jacinda also had the goal to stand in front of the cameras and tell New Zealanders that the government should be their single source of truth. Don't listen to other sources of information, she said, just us. All the while she pushed her no jab, no job policy across the country. I know other countries had similar policies, but it was particularly harsh in New Zealand. So don't listen to anyone else and take this injection, else we will ruin you and your family. That was the message that Ardern told New Zealanders. And then there, there was that speech she gave to the United Nations in the General Assembly, where she argued that in order to protect free speech, it is imperative to control what people can say. Yeah, she did that. Evil is the only word that I can find to describe Jacinda Ardern, particularly when you understand that world leaders like Ardern knew exactly what was going on. Oh, and while all of this was going on, there is footage that strongly suggests that, that she, like Zelensky and Trudeau, was sniffing the white stuff while dishing out punishment to her people. There is one video in particular where she emerges to the press in, I can only describe, I can only describe it one way. She looked like she was rushing her tits off while rubbing her gums and her nose. It is one of those behaviors that is blatantly obvious to anyone who knows. You either know or you don't. Now, I'm not saying that sniffing the white stuff is evil in itself, but doing it while dishing out punishment and evil to your country, men and women, says something very particular. 
And do you remember the former Indian ambassador who went on TV in India to accuse Trudeau of missing the G20 dinner because he was too high on cocaine after some was discovered on his plane by sniffer dogs? The reason I pick Honor Dern and Trudeau specifically is because they are particularly dangerous as well as being evil, the kind of leaders that Hitler would study for tips. Like when Trudeau accused peaceful protesters who were against his injection mandates of being Nazi, misogynist, racist extremists. A taunt he also threw at the unvaccinated. A taunt that was totally baseless. A taunt designed to turn the public against their own. Now, if that wasn't enough, he went on to freeze the bank accounts, not only of peaceful protesters, but of ordinary Canadians who had donated money to support the cause. He had preacher Artur Pulowski arrested for giving a speech to protesters warning of the dangers of totalitarianism, given that he grew up under communism in Poland. He told the protesters to stand firm, but to do it peacefully. For that, he was arrested and put in solitary confinement for 50 days and then put under house arrest for over a year, all for the invented crime of creating mischief. His son, Nathaniel Pulowski, appeared on this show back in July after giving a speech in the European Parliament. And this is not the only case of the Trudeau regime using politically appointed judges to silence dissent from law-abiding Canadians. There is a whole series of cases that are ongoing in the country, including some of the trucker protesters themselves, who were all sent to jail. I find it deeply worrying that these types of things are allowed to go on in a Commonwealth country that Charlie Boy is head of state for. What does that say about the United Kingdom as a country that our establishment re remains silent while these banana republic type tactics are dished out to innocent law abiding citizens? And that, of course, is a whole other topic for another day. Like Jacinda Ardern, Justin Trudeau wraps up these tyrannical actions. He packages them and then sells them to his citizens as virtuous acts in carefully prepared speeches that distort the truth and use fear to turn the population against each other. These two leaders are incredibly talented in these dark arts, and for that, they receive a special place in hell that I have personally reserved just for them. If you want to get in touch, um, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click, click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day, and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TFI Friday. Jemsy, how you doing? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> it never James, gets boring. Well. <laughs> how you doing? Well, yeah, good. Thank you. Very good. Uh, yeah, interesting. Your ferocious Friday rant at that uh, Trudeau and uh, Ardern. I mean, you know, as if we needed reminding, but it is a salient reminder of you know how low our politicians can go in the kind of guise of trying to look after us and in inverted commas. You know, it, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Some of the 
the collective measures that were imposed upon us. And, and you look back and you think, did it really happen? Did that really happen? Did they really behave like that? Well, the answer, of course, is a blatant yes, all with the aim of getting us to have something stuck in our bodies and the long-term implications of that. Yeah, and, you know, there's lots of politicians and countries that have obviously had these policies and forced this on their populations. But what makes these two particularly evil in my book is that they didn't just do it. They actually wrapped it all up and, and, and wrapped it up in virtues and then tried to sell that to the public as, you know, you are good people if you buy into this argument, which makes them, in my book, particularly dangerous. I mean, you know, I was watching the TV in astonishment and thinking, are Canadians really buying this? But they did. You know, lots of Canadians did. And and the same in New Zealand, um, which, you know, like I said, makes them dangerous as well as evil. Well, I think it's a, a way they really do understand how the human mind and psyche works. You know, the ego is about tapping into the ego of the, making you think you're a good person and making you think you're better than other people, which the ego loves to do. So by saying, oh, you know, you're a good person, you're better than the others if you get this stuck in you. You're better than the others if you snitch on your neighbor. You're better than the others if you do what we do, what we say, do what the teacher says. That's how we're programmed right from school. So they're very clever, the world leaders. They know exactly what they're mm. doing and how the how the human psyche operates and, uh, and how you can bring out the worst in people by thinking, making them think you're bringing out the best in them. You're actually bringing out the worst. It's the inversion thing again, which is our culture as a whole. Yeah. And of course, you know, they both try and come across as really personable. Um, Gaylene yesterday, um, the director of River of Freedom, she said, you know, she voted for Ardern and her first term, she talked about kindness. And this is the thing that, you know, they talk about these things while, you know, they're actually really evil. And when you dissect their speeches where they kind of try and sell this to the public, you know, I've I've got a, a master's in psychology and you you can see what they're doing, how they're, it's, it's a very carefully crafted message, which is designed to turn good people against other good people, um, which makes them particularly evil and dangerous. Anyway, enough of evil villains, because we're going to talk all about the evidence um, against Trudeau in Canada in a moment. So what story have you got for me today, Gemma? Well, I, you know, ostensibly the headline on this is a bit of Christmas cheer. You know, it's a good story about the failing NHS. But I was interesting to see how the rest <laughs> of the kind of data in the article and the and the stats in this article prove exactly what we what you've just been saying. You know, the the agenda of Ardern and Trudeau and the agenda of our own politicians in this country and the and the knock on effects uh, to the health of uh, people around the world. So the headline, I thought, well, it's Friday. We're really near to Christmas. Let's try and bring some good news because it's so easy to focus on the negative and globalism and the elites and all the stuff we talk about here. So I saw this headline and it's new figures out and it says NHS waiting lists have fallen the first time since 2011 um, and amid, amid the fears that because we had this huge backlog of nearly 8 million people on the NHS waiting list, it was the backlog that was causing people to die. So um, the waiting list currently stu stood at 7.77 million and it's fallen by 65,000 in the in the month to October to 7.71 million. So it's a, it's a drop in the ocean of the waiting list, but at least it's a fall. I thought, well, let's go for this. Shall we go for well, this? Can yeah, I ask a I question? Waving, um, yeah. <laughs> Miss, can I ask a question? Um, <laughs> yeah, if you look at the excess death figures, right, I, I forget the exact figure, but it's in the tens of thousands, the number of people who died that we weren't expected to die. Um, is that why the um, the NHS waiting list has fallen? Just a question. 
Exactly. You were bringing me on to my very next point. So <laughs> they're using this. They're using this to say, um, all right, yeah, it's a drop because people are, people are dying as well. Um, and they're using this whole figure. They're saying the whole reason we've got excess deaths is because of the backlog. And, and we had 28,000 excess deaths even in the first six months of 2023. And guess where the biggest areas are? Once again, they're trotting out these figures. Um, it's, a, it's a report in the Lancet that's come out today. It's uh, the cardiac wait list has gone up by 18% and the fastest growing cause of excess death, especially amongst middle-aged people, 50 to 64, is drumroll heart failure. Uh, no one's still, yeah. people are still not doing it. They're still not correlating the two. Um, and they're wanting to use this kind of fall. And, uh, you know, you're quite right, the excess deaths, the whole thing. Um, so I really wanted to look at it as a good news story, but then you look behind it and you look at the 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 amount that that's jumped up. The cardiac waitlist has gone up by nearly twenty percent. That shows the amount of people that have got cardiac issues now, and the and the amount of deaths, excess deaths, is all due to heart failure. These figures do show. Um, I I want to think there's at least a few people on that list that have gone up and and had their treatment. I really do. I I want to think that you know it's not all excess deaths is the reason it's fallen, but I hope as well there are people you know getting to the top at at least some areas at least some if you've been waiting for an operation for three years i hope i hope at least some people for christmas are getting some treatment yeah i did see that story yesterday in i forget i think it might have been in the times about that increase in heart issues and that the government were just saying yes it's down to um bad lifestyles i mean Look, I've talked about this at length with Asim Mahotra and other doctors. Asim is, of course, a cardiologist himself. He's one of the leading um, cardiologists in the country. And, you know, you don't just like this just doesn't happen over three years. And suddenly, you know, bad lifestyles and whatever behaviors are suddenly, um, you know, translating into numbers like this at middle age, people who shouldn't be having these conditions suddenly dying it just doesn't make sense um i did put a, um, a post out on x yesterday having a go at the journalists who've got the gall to back this without asking any journalistic questions it really is uh shoddy some of these journalists that are working for mainstream um press um you know pose the question obviously we don't have the data we can't prove it at the moment but it's a valid question what is causing this just to dismiss it um, you know, they've tried statins, um, but Carl Hennigan of Oxford University totally dismissed that with actual data. That was a load of rubbish. Then they tried to suggest that, you know, ambulance waiting times going up was a reason for it. But that doesn't that doesn't explain why people who shouldn't be having heart attacks are having them in the first place. Um, you know, just, just saying, well, the ambulance didn't get there in time to save them. Yes. OK. But why were they having heart attacks in the first place? So, yeah. To all those journalists out there that are just, um, you know, regurgitating this government line, shame on you, shame on you. I think, to be fair, I think they are asking the questions. Some of them, some of them are asking the questions, but it's the responses that are, that are being trotted out. You know, oh, it's the ambulance. Oh, it's your lifestyle. Oh, it's uh, it's climate change. Oh, it's uh, it's the weather. You know, that's that that you can ask and ask and ask, but the responses will always yeah, be Gemma, batting it right not, back out. They're not asking them. Could any of these um, excess deaths be down to the injections? I, I have wonder not heard if some that. are. Asked. I think I I wonder if some are, and the, the response is always a blanket no. It's a blanket no. 
You know, I wonder, I don't know, you know, you see some stuff in the mainstream and you think they are asking some, I think there are still some people in there with half a brain asking the questions, but the responses they're getting. But but Gemma, what they should be doing then is saying, I, you know, we asked the government if it could be anything to do with injections and they said, no, I don't never see that. Um, no, that's and that true. in itself, yeah. that in itself would um, uh, alert the readers, the, the the general public out there that probably haven't got a clue what's going on, that that is a valid question. This is what we do as journalists. We don't always have the answers, right? But we ask the questions. Um, mm. Really, really important because then it helps people who are not topic experts, who are not, that actually that is a valid question. You know, that's part of journalists. It's not always about answers. Sometimes it is very much about questions. Yeah, right. you're, you're absolutely Gemma. right. You're absolutely right. There we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm always I'm right, Gemma. Gemma Z. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. You know, I. I. I am wrong sometimes. Not very often, but no, I am wrong sometimes, and I always try and put my hand up when I am wrong. And um, I might need to do that next week on a certain story. Um, but we'll wait over the weekend to see what happens. But I will put my hand up when I think maybe I've got it wrong. Right, Gemma, I hope you have a great weekend and I look forward to speaking with you again on Monday. Obviously, we've got that important parliamentary debate on Monday on the international health regulations, which was all driven by great work by, from the World Council for Health. So we're going to get I think we're going to get an update um, from Parliament Square on Monday on that. So look forward to that. Um, and like I said, have a great weekend, Gemma. You too. Thank you. Right. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, we're going to hear the evidence on what's going on in Canada and pose the question, is the judiciary system and are the police independent of the evil Trudeau regime? So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars, and most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live Right, okay, like I said, we've just jumped on a jet. We've gone off to Canada um, and I'm joined by um, Donald Best and Jason Levine. Jason's been on the Freeman Report um, before, but this is Donald's first time. And the first thing I'm going to say to both of them is thank you very much, chaps, for getting up very early in the morning. Um, They just told me it is 20 past four in the morning for Jason and 20 Mm -hmm. past six for Donald. So thank you guys for joining me on the show today. My pleasure and good morning. Great to be here. Right. Now, 
let's um let's start with a quick introduction um if both of you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself jason i know you're you're um standy you're a parliamentary candidate and donald i think you're a former policeman in canada so give a quick introduction um donald if you want to go first sure my name is donald best i live just north of toronto canada and for the longest time decades i was a uh Toronto police officer and then involved in private law enforcement and intelligence operations. And now I'm an independent journalist causing trouble throughout the world by mentioning <laughs> the words freedom and civil liberties and things like that. Uh, well, you're welcome in my gang then um, if you're causing trouble um, and, and, and fighting for freedom. That's what we do here on the Freeman Report. Um, Jason, um, how about yourself? Well, good morning, James. Yeah, I'm Jason Levine. I'm an independent journalist and host of The Levine Show. And you're correct. I am running as an independent candidate for the Member of Parliament of Canada. And uh, I'm a, a computer guy who turned into a journalist because uh, Trudeau decided to boot down my fellow Canadians in Ottawa during winter. So I thought enough is enough. And I pulled out my independent candidate hat and decided to start running. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me on the show. Right. What I want, I don't know whether you, um, both of you listened to my introduction, but I um, had a whole tirade, uh, which I um, uh, talked about against Ardern and Trudeau. I do think they are special cases in the world of leaders, um, because as well as, in my view, them both being evil, like a lot of the world leaders, I think for some of the things they've done, I think Trudeau and Ardern, they are especially talented in the black arts, as far as I can see, in terms of twisting the truth and packaging it up as virtues, which they then sell to the public to turn um, citizen against citizen. That's my view. But I'd like to hear your view, both of you, just a summary without going into the actual evidence behind it, because we'll talk about all of that in a minute, in a moment. But just quickly, Jason, what is your view of Trudeau? Well, he's definitely the great divider. He couldn't even keep his marriage together. He had to redefine things like the marriage has repartnering. And he's been coming after Canadians that oppose him ever since he started, actually probably well before he started. He doesn't like opposition. He doesn't like the truth. He's a big fan of name calling. And he absolutely likes to lock up his political opposition, including candidates like Randy Hilliard and Maxime Bernier. Uh, these are people that he targets in order to shut them down, stop them from talking, and absolutely bring our entire system into disrepute. Yeah. Like I said, I, one of the things I also said in my introduction is that it does put a big question mark, I think, over the establishment in the United Kingdom that um, Canada is a Commonwealth country and all these terrible things are going on. Donald, what are your thoughts on, on Trudeau? Well, Canada is now a police state and the law enforcement and our judiciary have been weaponized and the agencies of government have been weaponized against ordinary citizens who might be classed as political opponents of this virtually communist regime. And we have a uniparty in Ottawa. They all vote for the same thing. Um, every one of our members of parliament stand up and vote for the same thing. It's different flavors of the same thing, which is a globalist perspective and the worldwide agenda that intends to, well, make slaves out of all of us and you know that used to be tinfoil hat talk not anymore we have the proof in canada thank you very much 
Yeah, and that's what the show is all about today, isn't it? It's, it's about talking about these cases that are ongoing, which we'll do after the break in a minute. But I want to kind of stay on this summarised um, view of what's going on in Canada, because for me, there's a few issues which really demonstrate how things have gone so wrong in Canada. One of them is the, um, you know, the the transgender issue. You've actually got, um, I've, I've read about, you know, and I think, Jason, we might have spoken about it when you were last on the show, about people going to jail, parents, because they've misgendered their child, um, you know, and, and things being turned up against, upside down, which has gone on in a lot of countries. But I think what makes Canada apart is how extreme the lengths they've gone to on the jabs like New Zealand and on these issues like transgenderism. Um, what 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 is the latest on 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 that case, Jason? We're absolutely making no headway here in Canada when it comes to protecting our youth. In fact, we have the law that Donna was referring to called C four which is the um, a bill that requires uh, parents to not get involved in whether or not their children want to go back to their birth gender. If you want to go to any other gender than your birth mm -hmm. gender, you're free to do so, and you're free to assist your child. But heaven forbid, they are confused, they need to have a conversation, and maybe they're considering to go back. No way, you go to jail here in Canada for that. So we have an entire class of young people who decided to take a transition who are now stuck in that, and they're looking to end their lives through another program that Canada has been offering called MAIDS, which actually will end yeah. your life if you fill out an application. And a lot of transgender people who decided to do the surgery are currently in that system right now, too, to end their life. Yeah, really, really good example there, Jason. And I was um, going to talk about that as well, because I heard a story. Um, it was in the mainstream press of a woman. She'd had dodgy knees or something. And she'd been waiting for an operation for over a year. And the government um, worker actually turned up and said, well, um, yeah, it's a bit of a wait for you to get this operation. So, you know, we've got an alternative. You could consider killing yourself. And, you know, the government will support that and pay for that, for that program. But you'll have to wait for your operation. It's things like this that you you hear coming out of Canada, you think, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. I don't, I refuse to believe it. And then you do a bit of digging and you actually find out it is true. Right, mm -hmm. guys, um, we're going to take a quick break now for the news headlines. And when we come back, we're going to dive into some of these cases, which I know you've been doing brilliant work on in Canada. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Hey guys, great news. News Radio. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The White House has confirmed President Biden was well aware of his son Hunter's plan to ignore this week's congressional subpoena. Donald Trump has accused President Biden of riding on the coattails of his success in the White House. We're now being told that we as humans are worsening the impacts of climate change simply by breathing. And as the war in Ukraine enters its 660th day, Russia claims to have thwarted yet another drone strike on Moscow. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, now one of the big questions that we're going to pose on today's um, programme is, is the judicial system and the police force in Canada independent of the Trudeau regime? Um, I know that both of you look at an awful lot of cases on this. So I'll start with you, Donald. Tell us some of the work that you're doing at the moment, some of the cases that you're exposing. Well, first of all, throughout my entire career, I've been involved in anti-corruption cases, even when I was a police officer. Unfortunately, well, 
There's a few rotten apples in the barrel, and for years it was my job to find them, arrest them, sadly even do uh, search warrants at their home and arrest them in front of their families sometimes when it just couldn't be avoided. And that included judges and politicians and, and the works. It's my position that only about 1% of people in any institution are corrupt. Only about 1% are whistleblowers. But the 98% who look the other way empower this corruption. And this is exactly what we've seen in our government, in our, in our systems. We now have a position uh, in Canada where our policing organizations, our, our police services, have turned against the Peelian principles, Sir Robert Peel, where modern policing was in, invented back in jolly old England, uh, where the community is the police and the police are the community. Now they've turned into an occupying army. They do what the political uh, uh, people tell them to, and the rule of law is quite dead in Canada. For instance, uh, during the Black Lives Matter marches, which were all during the COVID lockdowns, we had chiefs of police, the prime minister himself, mayors, kneeling with these marchers throughout Canada who were marching illegally. And uh, then the police forces stood aside and watched as they tore down statues and vandalized public buildings. And that was all very well. The, there was a political decision made by our policing organizations to let this happen. Ah, but let a, one man open up a barbecue sandwich restaurant in violation of the COVID rules when there was a, a large Walmart store on one side of them open and a Costco store on the other side of them open, large stores but he was small, so he wasn't allowed to be open. And they sent in the same Toronto Police mounted unit that let all the Black Lives Matters uh, marchers do what they will. They sent them in, and they trampled the customers with the horses. They surrounded his shop, and they closed it. They destroyed his business, 60 jobs, uh, his home, took everything from him. But others who were not against the government, they were allowed to continue. So this is what we're facing in Canada. And we've seen some strange cases, uh, bellwether cases. There's one that I'm looking at right now. An Ottawa police detective, Detective Helen Groose, back in January of 2022, and that's spelled G-R-U-S, back in January of 2022, she was with the with the SACA unit, sexual assault and child abuse unit, responsible for the investigations of sudden infant deaths. And she noticed a cluster of sudden infant deaths, of nine sudden infant deaths. And she wondered, because of some of the circumstances, could there be a connection between this new mRNA vaccine, this experimental vaccine, breastfeeding mothers, and the sudden deaths of their infants. So she started to investigate that. She informed the chief. She started a criminal investigation. She wasn't assigned. Uh, but any police officer can 
initiate any investigation they want to. That's the rules. That's the way we have it in Canada. It's not like that in Pakistan. It's not like that in Russia or India. But in Canada and purported the, the UK and, and America, police officers, uh, according to their oath, their experience and the authority given them in law, they can investigate anybody for anything without permission. We do that to eliminate corruption. As I say in other societies, well, they have different rules. Before you can investigate that man, you have to go and see if he's politically connected. Well, it's that way in Canada now. Because detective groups, the minute that uh, her superiors found out what was happening, they suspended her. There was an investigation. Uh, two rogue police officers criminally released information secretly to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the media. And uh, this was released and became a huge issue. Detective Bruce stands charged with one count of discreditable conduct. Now, this is an internal charge, a provincial charge. It's not criminal. But she faces the loss of her job. And they shut her investigation down. And that's what this is really all about. One police officer in Canada decided to investigate if these jabs were killing infants. And they shut that investigation down. We've now found out, and the report's all on my website, donaldbest.ca, that the Public Health Agency of Canada personnel from there were involved very early uh, influencing the police investigation against Detective Bruce. She's now had 10 days of prosecution trial against her, and it was, it was an incredible kangaroo court. Her defense begins in January, but they are not allowing her any defense witnesses, none at all. They've all been refused. And She's not allowed to see her memo book, her personally made handwritten police memo book that she made on January 30th, 2022, one of the dates in question with which she is charged with doing something discreditable. And they're not allowing her to see her notes or have any defense witnesses. What do you call that, James? I call that absolute tyranny. Um now, Donald, you're a former um, policeman yourself. What do you make of this? Because this, you know, people aren't stupid. The police aren't stupid. They must see this going on. They know it's a fix. Um, you know, they can see this targeting going on and this corruption of the law. What? Well, how does that make you feel that you've got these people, these um, policemen that are going along with this in Canada? We had police officers go along with an awful lot in Canada. We had police officers, I, I, you know, I just can't get it out of my mind, the, 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 the images, the videos of police officers during the COVID lockdowns arresting and handcuffing visibly pregnant women, six, seven, eight, nine months pregnant, putting them in handcuffs behind their back, in front of their screaming children for what? For watching their son play hockey while unvaccinated. 
for pushing a three-year-old daughter on a swing in a closed park that was closed during the lockdowns. This kind of thuggish activity, had I seen that happen on my watch when I supervised 100 police officers, any police officer I saw handcuffing a pregnant woman behind her back, it's very dangerous, dangerous to the child, dangerous to the, the woman. Had I seen that, well, they'd soon be heading for the door. I'd be looking to fire yeah. them. But now it's quite common because we have an occupying army leasing us, not community policing. I think there's only one word I can put on that, and um, it is fascism. That's what is going on and what you've just, just, just described there, Donald. Um, Jason, yeah. um, um, we're gonna, I'm going to start by asking you about um, Artur Polosky, because obviously um, Nathaniel has been on my show. We've covered that case before. What's going on with that now? Because, of course, he was um, arrested, wasn't he, for giving a peaceful speech to the trucker convoy. He told them to stand firm, but he also said to make sure you protest peacefully. For that, he was put in um, solitary confinement, I think, for around 50 days. And then he was in under house arrest for over a year. What's going on with that case now? Because I, th I think at the time when you were last on the show, he was facing up to 10 years in jail for that. Absolutely. And don't forget the great crime that he also did of feeding the poor. And I'm not joking. This is one of the charges he had. He was not allowed to feed the poor. Uh, that case has moved forward. We went to sentencing. It was a very dramatic day where we sat there and listened to the judge explain to him uh, why he's such a bad guy for talking to the protesters and asking him to be peaceful. And he ended up getting sentenced to 60 days in jail, but he had time served because he did already have the 50 days plus they double it for 100. So he did get sentenced to 60 days in jail. However, Arthur rightfully will be appealing that sentence and continuing that fight because there's no reason why anybody feeding the poor, talking to the protesters, acting peacefully, having church during service should be facing any days in jail, let alone 60 days. So there's an injustice there as well, James. And uh, yeah, Arthur is going to continue that fight and make sure that the Canadian justice system at least takes a look at the appeal so Canadians can understand what kind of injustice he actually has gone through already. Yeah, and I must get him back on the show. Right, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, Jason, I want to hear from you um, on some of the work that you're doing at the moment and some of these cases, which, which again, like I said, the shows, the question of the show today is all about, you know, is the judicial system and the police, are they independent from the Trudeau regime? I mean, we know that in Canada, I think the federal government appoint judges, which to me <laughs> is, a, is a, it's a kangaroo way of doing things. So anyway, we'll hear from you, Jason, about some of the cases you're looking at at the moment. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Congratulations to new Argentine President Javier Malay, who was sworn in over the weekend. Malay's election last month rocked the South American nation and the world and returned Argentina's government to the people after decades of socialists robbing them blind. How blind? The hyperinflation in Argentina has been outrageous, impoverishing up to 40% of the population. Inflation for 2023 stands at 183%. As bad as Bidenomics is, at least it's not that bad. 
And President Malay set an example for once and future President Donald Trump by signing an executive order as his first official act in office that reduced the number of ministries from 21 to 9. 12 ministries, such as the Ministry of Women, Genders, and Diversity, are no more. Not only will that help the bottom line in Argentina, it will expand liberty and bring a better quality of life to the Argentine people. Here's hoping that that happens in the United States in 2025. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready. Because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. This is the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, now, Jason, um, you tell us um, some of the cases that you're working on in terms of what's going on in Canada at the moment. Well, Canada has a whole bunch of cases going on, civil, criminal, and we're making sure we follow all of them because they're related to whether or not a judicial system can be functioning properly. A couple of them I'd like to mention would be Dan Hartman, who's the father of Sean Hartman, who's a 17-year-old hockey player. In order to play hockey, he took the vaccine. And shortly after taking the second dose of Pfizer, he was found, passed away at the side of his bed one morning. And his father, of course, is devastated from that, but he's a strong fighter who's fighting a really, really uh, hard fight against the government by suing him for, I believe, it's $36 million uh, to get uh, the Canadians to understand that their son, his son was murdered. This is the term he uses, murdered because there was no reason to put vaccinations into him or the shot. And we absolutely ended his life very early. We have another case in Alberta where it's Carrie Sakamoto who was injured by the vaccine. And she's actually been confirmed by her doctors and the government admits it's a vaccine injury. We have a vaccine injury program here in Canada that she did qualify for. However, it's given her balls, Bell's palsy. It's really destroyed her life and she's under deterioration to even worse. And so she's also filed a lawsuit against the government of Alberta and of Canada and of the CBC. So these two matters are really going to be pushing the question of whether or not there was liability on the government and the media on uh, hurting Canadians with the vaccine or with the Pfizer shots. And on top of that there, James, we have this problem here in Canada. There's this term in, in, in legal called judicial notice, which is meant to be for undisputed facts like today is Friday. It's very difficult to argue that today is Friday. So in order to speed the court up, they do things like judicial notice. You don't have to prove that today is Friday. It's common knowledge. They are abusing that in order to ensure that the judges decide a certain way. So there's two parts of this judicial notice that's really messing up our system. One is that uh, the mandates were necessary. So there's a judicial notice that tells judges that they can't even decide otherwise. The mandates were necessary. Uh, the second one that's really messing up uh, the justice system here in Canada is that uh, the COVID vaccine isn't safe and effective. 
So if you even try to say it's anything but safe and effective in a court here in Canada, the judge will ignore you and take judicial notice that it's not a fact. All the way to the point where, as we're seeing in Detective Helen Groves, uh, expert witnesses, including scientists and doctors, are being excluded from the conversation in order to uh, have the courts or the tribunals or any part of our justice system understand that there's a challenge to the question of whether or not it was safe and effective. And there's also a challenge on whether or not mandates were required. But unfortunately for our justice system right now, it's in a deadlock on that particular issue and you can't, can't pursue anything further. Yeah, the other thing that um, is astonishing, and I'm, I'm fairly sure this is in Canada, I know it's happened in other countries, but haven't you got politicians now claiming that nobody was actually forced to get the vaccine? Yeah, that's the great uh, lie. Like we have many great lies here in Canada, but the, the latest one is we never forced you. You didn't have to work. You didn't have to travel. You didn't have to do all the things you weren't allowed to do if you didn't take it. So it was your choice all along. And actually, there's another thing that's happening here in Canada, which is astonishing to me. They're asking us to just forget about it. We did our best. We, we made mistakes. Don't worry. It doesn't matter that your jobs were lost, your health was injured, and we don't know what's going to happen to you in the near future. But we did our best. And this is the kind of uh, uh, narrative that's developing here in Canada, to just let them go. Canada doesn't want that. Yeah. There's too many Canadians that want accountability. It's um, interesting, isn't it? When we look at the political situation, a lot of the leaders, um, certainly in the UK here, um, we've got three leaders of the different regions of the UK. We've got different parliaments in Scotland, Wales and England. All of those leaders that were in charge during that period are gone now. And obviously we've seen mm -hmm. Jacinda Ardern gone from New Zealand. Trudeau's still there. But Donald, what's your assessment of his popularity at the moment? Because I've seen lots of videos of him out and about. And there was one, I think, in a restaurant where literally he had to leave because he was just getting taunted by everyone. Um, some pretty angry scenes there. What What's your summary of how his popularity at the moment? Do you think that he um, will last the term? Whether he'll last the term or not, his popularity is absolutely zero. It's to the point where he can't go out in public without a, about a 50-member security team. He's mocked and yelled at wherever he appears on the streets. Instantly, if somebody knows that he's somewhere, there will be a, a crowd gather and start shouting for justice. We do live in a police state. He is our dictator right now, but it's far deeper than that. The media are complicit. Uh, virtually every institution has been captured. And when we look at the um, the control that is being exerted politically now on our courts, on our law enforcement, it's 100% uh, corruption, top down. This is top down. We even had the former commissioner of our national police force, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, caught recorded trying to interfere with a mass homicide investigation for political reasons. And she said so. She wanted the information to be released to help the federal government's anti-gun control program. So it's, it's all politics, and it has destroyed, as I say, the rule of law and our faith in our institutions. Now, the National Citizens Inquiry, which uh, just completed and just released its, its final report, there's one word that just stands out like a beacon throughout that entire report, thousands of pages, criminality, criminal, 
criminal conduct. We need investigations, professional investigations, into what is obviously criminal conduct with the uh, approval of the vaccine, the procurement of it, the kickbacks, the mandates. Without informed consent, we're into the Nuremberg Protocols, but we've also broken criminal law in Canada, assault, even kidnapping. There are instances that absolutely match that criteria. But, as I said, the one detective in Canada who launched an investigation, Detective Helen Groose, they shut that right down. It's a cover-up. And um, no less than uh, famed detective, New York detective Frank Serpico, they made a movie about him. Pacino played Serpico, anti-corruption. Um, he's following the Detective Bruce case very closely because he realizes how foundational this is to our society. Do our law enforcement officers have the ability to investigate whatever circumstance they, they wish, or will they be politically controlled? And Frank Serpico recognizes that uh, this is a cover-up, and it's a cover-up not only of her investigation, but of dead babies and the pile of bodies and injured people that, that grows astronomically every day. And Serpico says that incompetence or criminality will go to any length not to be exposed, even at the cost of innocent infant lives. And that's what we have in Canada. We have this cover-up going, and there we know from reports and everything that there is now potentially a connection between vaccinated mothers and the deaths of breastfeeding infants. The CDC says yeah. so. There's a lot of lot of information out there. Detective Bruce was correct, but the cover-up continues. Yeah. Now, um, Jason, um, obviously you've got an opposition there. It is the Conservatives. It seems to me that there's only one politician that I can see as an outside observer in Canada that has any integrity, and that is Maxime Bernier. He's been on the show here a couple of times. But do the Conservatives, are they... Because um, obviously they tear into Trudeau. Are they tackling any of these important issues, though? Um, are they uh, providing any hope that maybe um, actually there will be justice at some point? Thank you very much for that. Absolutely not. So Pierre Poulier, who's likely going to become our next prime minister, we're not sure if it'll be a minority or majority government, he absolutely stays away from the heavy issues. Even when his own uh, um, party voted for him to take on these issues, for example, gender ideology to try and get it out, he turned his back on it. He is not pushing it forward. He's doing the traditional stuff about axing the tax and normal conservative issues, but he's certainly not getting into the uh, issues that uh, Trudeau himself has brought to the table. He'll talk about the economy, but he won't talk about the social issues. He'll talk about resources and he will talk about the global stage, but he won't talk about the young people who are transitioning and looking for maids or the people who are in jail. Pierre has been a bit a disappointment to conservative like me. I am a conservative. I would likely vote for his party if I wasn't running myself. And uh, I've been disappointed. My neighbors have been disappointed. Alberta has been disappointed. And we're absolutely standing up and, and making it known. Maxine is an excellent leader. 
if only he can get himself a seat and get that party to go, I think Canada would be back on the right track because we need somebody like him who's in there to actually speak the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And he is somebody who was put in jail for speaking his truth in Manitoba during the COVID lockdowns. He was outside talking to his party. These weren't even members. These were actually the party itself when he was arrested, put into jail, fined, had to go through court for doing nothing more than getting together with his party members and having a conversation out in a park, several feet apart during the COVID lockdown. So that's an example of how even Pierre, he didn't speak up during that. And Pierre himself uh, has attacked uh, Maxime Bernier for, and, and it's not even true, but for WEF connections, Pierre is trying to uh, paint Maxime Bernier as the WEF member when he certainly is not. But we do know that Pierre was on the website, but Maxime Bernier wasn't. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because I just, um, and I, I don't know her name, but isn't there, haven't you got a very, very senior um, uh, female politician who's actually on the board of directors of the WEF? Correct. That's Christia Freeland. So, yes, uh, as far as the WF is concerned, the WEF, she is the boss of Trudeau because she is a director while he is not. But here in Canada, she's a deputy prime minister, which means she's second in command. And she's also our finance minister, which means she's in charge of all the money. And she absolutely has got a tight grip on us here in Canada. That is astonishing. That really is astonishing. I mean, to me, I mean, do, do all today Canadians even know that she's on the board of directors of the World Economic Forum? Is that something that is known, Donald? Well, first of all, you have to realize that our government provides billions and billions of dollars to the media. And the media do what they're told, not just the uh, government CBC, but every one of the big media houses are in, hold out their hands for hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. So the answer to your question is no, most don't know. Most Canadians have no idea of Agenda 2030, her role in it, and how even Klaus Schwab has bragged that he owns the Canadian government. He said that. You can see it in video, but yeah. no one seems to care. I mean, no one knows. It's, I mean, obviously, this is the situation in lots of countries, including here in the UK. I think a large proportion of the population have no idea about the WEF, about Agenda 2030. But it seems incredible that your deputy prime minister is actually on the board of directors of this international organization and that, that nobody in Canada, particularly the mainstream press, is asking questions of that. I mean, it's just astonishing. People are afraid. You have to remember that several hundred Canadians <clears throat> who dared to do, to give $50 to the convoy had their bank accounts seized, frozen, their businesses and homes destroyed. Yeah, and there you go, because this is what is going on in Canada at the moment. Listen, gentlemen, um, thank you so much for getting up really, really early in the morning. I'm going to have to get you back on. You've been absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, it's really important that we raise these issues that are going on in Canada. Now, Jason, you've obviously got your own show. Um, where can people go to find out about your work and your show? In order to get the unedited, uncensored version, you can go to Rumble and X, where I stream live twice a day, every day, so in the morning and afternoon. And we have guests on, and we do a lot of the news for Canada. So if you're looking for the truth and unedited, uncensored, you can tune in to Jason Levine, uh, the Levine Show on Rumble. 
Fantastic. And Donald, I know you're doing a lot of great work as well. You are a former policeman yourself. Where can people go to find out about your work? They can go to my website, donaldbest.ca, donaldbest.ca. On Twitter, donaldbestca, donaldbestca. And I'm co-host with Jason every morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, Monday to Friday. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Best and Jason Levine, thank you so much for getting up early in the morning to come and tell us about the terrible things that are going on in Canada at the moment. And to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because we've got more fantastic shows for you right here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio.